Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Pentecost Sunday. What's so special about Pentecost Sunday? Many things. I'm glad you asked. The church through the ages has taken the opportunity on an annual basis to go back and to reflect on the, on the big events, on the highlights of what God has done as he from his realm has broken into our realm. We, we, we pray that prayer and we're asking, Father in heaven, your name, holy, hallowed, revered, honored, worshipped, adored. You're above all. We bow, worship, adoration. And then, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that prayer regularly. We're praying, Lord, would you crash into this realm in such a way that it makes such an impact that it changes this realm to look more like the heavenly realm. Let it be, let it continue, let it increase until, the, until earth actually does look like heaven. When do we stop praying? Well, when the prayer is answered. Has that prayer been answered yet? No. Does earth look like heaven? Not yet. So we continue to pray, believe, and live in the direction of the answer of those prayers. This is extraordinary. Yeah? Because we know that whatever God says is true, is right, and His prayers will always get answered. He doesn't lie, He's not conning us. He's not teasing us. Ah, I was only fooling, guys. I was just keeping you busy while I was doing something else. I was just distracting you with that prayer. Nonsense. He tells us as his followers, pray this prayer and live in such a way that you have faith, belief, expectation, anticipation that this prayer is going to be answered fully. The Durban Oaks say, Fully. We believing that this prayer that he asked us to pray, knowing that the prayer would be answered, we pray believing that it will indeed be answered. And so we turn, that's the whole thing of repentance, is change the way you think. You were living and thinking. And believing 
in a particular way, in a particular direction. And repentance means you turn and you're moving in exactly the opposite direction. You're forsaking, you repent from, you turn from and you repent towards. You turn towards something else. So we turn away from worthless ideas and we turn to the worthy one. Yeah, but you know all this. So we're repenting, and when you repent, your thoughts and your words and your footsteps come into alignment with what you're believing. Yeah? So if he said that we should pray, your kingdom come, it's part declaring that it is coming even as we pray it. And your will be done. We're part declaring it as we're praying it. On earth as it is in heaven. And we walk and talk believing that this is his will, purpose, and intention for our lives and for the whole body of Christ. In fact, for the whole planet. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So God believes in this, and he's called us to believe in this, which means that our, our speech and our thinking actually turns and comes into alignment with what we called to believe. So if earth is going to increasingly look like heaven, is things, are things going to get worse or are things going to get better? They're going to get better because his prayer is going to be answered. Now we do not yet see everything under his feet. But we will. When he comes, he's coming in victory. Yay. And he's coming for a mature bride. Without spot, wrinkle, blemish, stain. Not wearing nappies. Not needing to wear nappies. Hallelujah. We're not making a mess. So we live and our speech is in alignment with what we're believing. Your words are powerful because they're releasing what we believe from the realm of heaven. We release the frequency, the sound waves of heaven on earth. You were just singing that earlier. That's I hear the sound of heaven breaking out. Heaven touching earth. Yeah? Okay, this would be yes. That's right. Yes, John, we were singing that. Okay, what did we mean? Oh, yes, we were meaning that God's will, purpose, intention in the heavenly realms crashes into this realm and affects it in such a way as to reshape it 
remold it, bring it back into the image that God intended it to be. Like clay, he's, he's the potter and we are the clay. And he's busy shaping and molding us into the image that he has in mind. He's doing that individually and he's doing that corporately and he's doing that in terms of the kingdom. Mm-hmm-hmm. So good. So when we, as the, the worldwide church, we reflect on these God moments when Kairos collides with Kronos. Kairos, from the, the Greek, it's, it's an event. It's a moment. It's a time of God intervention. In the time of God, according to his calendar. And Kronos, you've got a chronometer on your arm, probably, or on your phone. It's time as we measure Kronos. And so when God's time, Kairos, intersects with our human time, Kronos, we get this touching, this meeting, heaven and earth. And we get these amazing impacts. Yeah? And so we look back, we reflect, and we rejoice, and we celebrate, and we check ourselves to see, are we continuing to live in the good of what he did at these moments? And Pentecost is one of these moments. Yay. That's why this is so good for us to take the opportunity to think back, to reflect, to ensure that we are living in the good of what he did through Pentecost. It's not just, oh, you know, it's on the church calendar, it's just something that we should do. No, it's to check ourselves. Are we still living in the good of what he has done? And, and are we growing in our understanding? Are we growing not just in, in knowledge, head knowledge, but are we growing in experiential knowledge? The knowing in the spirit that we have experienced, not heard about, but actually experienced for ourselves. Mmm. Mm, mm, mm. See, that's why we're always alive in him. We're not just kind of like, you know what, year one, year two, same old, let's just do the religious thing. Oh yeah, every year this time we must do this. We're not living according to duty or ritual or a calendar in that way. We're living in increasing revelation, understanding, and we're, we're maturing, coming into more and more of the fullness of the stature of Christ. Yay! It means we're growing up. Come on, elbow the person next to you, say, grow up, man. 
say, oh, hang on, wait, I see you are. All right. Very easily, we can reduce what God did at Pentecost to just tongues. And God did so much more than just give us the gift of tongues. Hmm. Okay. So let's take a look at a few scriptures that I hope are going to encourage you this morning. Okay. Please turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 11. And as you're doing that, I just want to acknowledge that a few weeks ago when we were doing our equipping electives, we had an elective that was um, concentrating on encountering Abba, Father, that was with uh, Dr. Sorrel van Amerva. Just an incredible uh, few weeks of gaining an understanding of Father's heart, what it means to become heal, healed and whole in uh, in, in, in our love and, and in our relationship with Father, that Jesus came to restore us to the Father. And that was just extraordinary. So, so good. And then we had another breakout. We were doing the blessed life with uh, Robert Morris. And that was all about understanding of walking in the same heart as our Father, and He's a generous one. And so we reflect our Father and we live in generosity. And, and in a sense, the base entry level with generosity is this thing of faith with our finances. And the way we demonstrate faith with our finances is through tithing. We tithe by faith, not by law. So amazing. And that's just the entryway into generosity. And then we grow from there. So that was amazing, that course. And then Lisa who did this beautiful painting for us this morning. This is about the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth. Now this is kind of bringing so many different things together. I mean, Genesis chapter one, there was chaos and the Spirit hovered over the chaos of the deep and brought about order. And then God said, this is good. Hey, the Holy Spirit is okay with hovering over the chaos of our lives because his intention is to bring order out of chaos. Yeah, so I've got another sermon that I've got to be careful I don't preach now. But we're facing the most extraordinary time of Holy Spirit hovering over the earth again. All right, I'll... Okay, you asked me. Okay, I'll do it. We're... Talk about breakthrough moments. Yeah, Daryl was talking about there's a season of breakthrough people in business or career or whatever it is, and, and these things that are holding you back, and it's like, you know, you know, there's maybe some frustration, maybe there's a little bit of tension, whatever it is, but the Lord is about to re- unleash a breaking through moment. Like we, sp- we were singing about spirit breakout. You know, sometimes the walls have got to be broken down. Have you ever done renovations? I'd advise against it. Okay. It is, man, it is a tough, difficult time. There's dust everywhere. There's rubble everywhere. There's chaos. 
and 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 the 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 the, the, the tension in that whole process just goes up really high yeah and what we what we observing right now is that the world is is experiencing exactly what what God prophesied Hebrews 12 everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that it's just the unshakable kingdom that's going to remain and the world right now is literally shaking but this is not bad okay if you're in the spirit you observe what's going on and you don't come under the circumstances and you are not intimidated by the spirit of fear that has been unleashed on the planet because we're not tuning into that frequency I said we are not tuning into that frequency we're tuning into the frequency of love alright and perfect love casts out all fear but we're recognizing that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things of the kingdom might remain and so we're kind of like okay wow we need to let some things go so that we've actually got capacity to receive the next thing. And we can sense that there's this massive shifting, shaking going on on the planet right now in order that the new things might unfold. There's an unfolding right now and it's going to be happening in the season and it's a time for breaking through into the new breaking out of the old and breaking through into the new and it's perhaps a little uncomfortable and a little unsettling because we were comfortable in knowing even if it was not lacquer but we were comfortable with it because we we could define it we knew it we could describe it and like that ah uh, what does that look like we don't really know we just know it's going to be new and we, we know by the Spirit it's going to be good. We know that He is in our future. That's why we know that the best is yet to come because He's in our future. But yet we have to deal with some emotional kind of things because they're attachments to the past and previous ways of doing it. But we actually have to let go, lay down, open hands so we've got space capacity to receive the new and to walk into the new. Is this making any sense? Okay. So right now, the nations rage and there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's okay. It's okay. Just stick with him and he'll bring us through. We don't have to know everything, understand everything. So many things swirling around. Doesn't matter. It's like, what's he saying? Just do what he's saying. All right. So, in all of the shaking and stuff, God breaks into our lives as much as he's breaking into this world. And it's like a Pentecost thing all over again. Because when the Spirit broke into this world in a whole new way. The church was able 
to come into existence. And believers could live in a whole new way. Everything changed. You see, under the old covenant, the old way, to experience the Spirit of God, the Spirit would come upon people. And there was very few, actually, in, in the Scriptures that are described as the Spirit came upon them. Oh, but Pentecost changed everything. Because now he says, I will put my spirit within you. See, the old covenant was all about external, trying to change you from the outside in. <laughs> but the new covenant changes you from the inside out. It's radically different. Yeah. Come on. Okay, scripture, scripture, scripture. I said we were going to go to Ezekiel chapter 11, yeah? All right, verse 19. God prophesies through this prophet Ezekiel. He says, I will give them an undivided heart. Wow, this picture was all about different pieces that were divided and some of it was broken, yeah? And, and the person tried to patch it together. But here at the bottom is about a new heart. This was a heart of stone and now we're getting a heart of flesh. So this somebody drew during that elective creating with God. Yeah? So this picture, the Holy Spirit hovering, we know that the Lord speaks to us through creativity, through the prophetic art and he's drawing our attention, he's emphasizing certain things. Yeah, Holy Spirit hovering over the chaos, he's going to bring peace, he's going to bring order. So I go into the class and I'm checking it out and then I see this, this thing that's been drawn, kind of like, oh my goodness, this was a couple of weeks ago. Those are exactly the scriptures that I'm planning to use on Pentecost Sunday. How do you think the person who drew this felt? They felt pretty good. How do you think I felt? I felt pretty good because I'm on the right track. Yeah, the Lord speaks to us through one another. Okay? Yay. So when you stay at home and you don't come and fellowship with us, we're not going to know what God is saying in you and through you. We, we, we strengthen each other. Okay? So I'm glad to see the building is people in it. Yay! All right. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Oh my goodness, he's going to help us to follow his ways, his instructions. So he reveals the way in which we should live that we might please him. That's the whole thing behind the decrees. Okay? Now, Ezekiel, he's prophesying, and he's an Old Testament, Old Covenant prophet. And so he's probably thinking, okay. Wow, we're going to get an upgrade of the law. 
God had something way better than just an upgrade of the law. Yeah? See, they would take pieces of the scripture, the law, and they'd put it in a tiny little box and they'd put it on their forehead and they'd strap it to their forehead because it says, apply the law to you, write the law in your mind, on your forehead, and write it on your forearm. Yeah? And you'll be marked, written, God's law written on your forehead, marked and marked. Mm hmm. You got it? Okay, I won't go there. But still, that was external. It was symbolic of what God was wanting to do. But that's outside in. And he's thinking, okay, wow. Okay, now we're going to somehow force that law on the inside. But God had something way better. Let's jump to Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Remember, Ezekiel was a lockdown prophet. Yeah? They were living in the time of lockdown. In fact, they were sent into isolation for 70 years. Yeah. Some of us think, you know, like, oh, this is unprecedented. It's never happened in the history of the world before. Nonsense. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. As though God was caught by surprise and he doesn't know what to do and what to say to us. No, he's spoken to all peoples over all times in different situations, circumstances and seasons of their life. So he's got something to say to us as we've been navigating through these last two and a half years. Okay? So Ezekiel, lockdown prophet, he says, I will take you out of lockdown of the nations and I will gather you from all the countries and I'll bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Oh, I love this one. Yes, the load, water shedding seems to have come to some of our communities. Yeah? So we've got load shedding and water shedding. So hallelujah for these prophetic words. Oh, the power will come from on high. <laughs> and clean water. Okay. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. They're kind of prophetic hints of water baptism here. Right? And we know that water baptism is just this external witness, testimony, sign of what's happened on the inside. He's cleaned my heart and therefore externally I get water baptized as I identify with the death of burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's water baptism. And, and then I'm recognizing that he's washed me clean on the inside. As I go through the waters of baptism, it's, it's a sign outwardly of what he's done supernaturally inwardly. This is phenomenal stuff, yeah? And so prophetic inklings here of this whole thing of water baptism as well. And I will remove from, uh, from all your idols. You know, the whole reason why they'd gone into this lockdown thing was because they'd been distracted by things that were drawing them away from their worship of the one true God. And God said, you know what? I'm really jealous that we have a good relationship here. And this other stuff is distracting you. 
In fact, it's turning your heart and your affections away from me and to other things. You're trying to find your fulfillment, the source of your being, in these other false gods, false things. And so we're actually going to work in your heart and your life and your circumstances to cut these things out because they're hindering your ability to live in communion and fellowship and love with me. So I'm going to cut this thing. I'm going to take this heart of stone. I'm going to remove it. And then these other things, I'm also going to remove from you. And part of this whole thing is, instead of seeking fulfillment in every other area and every other way, you're going to find that you've got a single, undivided heart. Your affections are not divided. I'm giving you a single focus, singular heart, whole. This is awesome stuff, man. And he's putting a heart in us to love him more. Yay. Lockdown wasn't all bad. Plenty bad things make no mistake. And I can talk until the cows come home and they're far away. So there are lots to talk about. About all the stuff that is, you know, but that's not our focus this morning. God can use any challenge, difficulty, circumstance, whether it appears to be favorable or unfavorable. God can use anything and everything, even what the enemy tried to do to destroy your life. God can turn it around to bring healing and wholeness, deliverance for you, and a testimony for others. Yeah? Don't blame on God what the devil is doing. It's just God is so good at healing and turning things around. Kind of like, oh, God must have brought it. Yet. Oh, you can't actually say that these days. No, it's not... God didn't bring all this destruction. It's the thief, the enemy, the one who steals, kills, destroys. I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. So don't put on the life giver what the enemy is doing. But just know that his life is so powerful. He is so strong that he can turn everything around and cause even what appeared that the, en- the enemy's worst attempts to derail you. God can so turn it around that it becomes like a treasure in your life. It's so precious. It's that rescuing. Yeah? Okay. I need to fast forward here a bit. I will give you, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to keep and be careful to keep all my laws. I will put my spirit in you. 
not longer on you. I'm going to put my spirit in you and then I will move you. Not force you. Not control you. Not manipulate you. I'm going to put such a yearning in this new heart that I'm going to put inside of you. And this heart yearns, longs, wants to do the things of God. The heart of stone was attracted to stone idols. This heart of stone was rebellious. Cracked, broken, divided. Messed up. You put your own adjectives in there. That was the heart. That was the condition. And this hardness of removing it from you, giving you this heart of flesh. But this heart of flesh longs for, yearns, wants to, desires to. And so when the wind of the Spirit blows, this heart is already attuned to pick up the wind like a sail. So Ephesians 5 says, be being filled with the Spirit. And actually in the, the connotation, that Greek word of being filled, is like a sail being filled. My, my uncle, Uncle Neil, amazing man, he tried to teach me how to do windsurfing. I wasn't necessarily the best student, but he was a brilliant teacher nevertheless. And with windsurfing, the way in which you move forward is that you keep adjusting the sail to be able to catch the wind. You're leaning in the right way. You're making sure that you're putting your weight in the right part of your body. You're calculating and you're getting a feel for the direction of the wind and the power of the wind so that you might yield and go and be carried by the wind. This is this picture that Paul is using. Listen, don't get caught up in all this toxic stuff. Be filled, be, and it's continuous tense in the Greek. Present continuous. Not, hey, once off Pentecost, done and dusted, sit back, just every year, just wait for the date to come around. Oh, I remember when. Oh, yes, I remember back in the day. Yes, God did something. Yes, there was a revival. Yes, in history. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, be being. Present continuous tense. Be being filled like the sail. Be carried along by the Spirit. This is this thing. I will move you. It's not forcing. It's not coercing. But like the wind blows and fills the sail, I will move you to follow my ways. This is extraordinary. This is far more than Shandarabasokoroboshike. Yeah? You know, 
Unfortunately, much of the church of God has got so fixated on power. Because at Pentecost, we also recognize that he said, listen, dudes, chill, wait in Jerusalem, stick around, and they will be filled, you will be clothed with power from on high. And so we got a little bit power hungry, crazy, fixated. It's got nothing to do, okay. When we place an overemphasis on power and the gifts of the Spirit, we fail to recognize the importance of the fruit of the Spirit. And one day when we're standing before the throne, he's going to be looking at us, not looking at our gifts. How are you growing in love, in joy, in patience, in kindness, in perseverance, long-suffering, and all these good things? Because the fruit of the Spirit that he, like the master potter, shaping the clay of our lives, we were made in his image, the first Adam fell, caused sin to come in and corrupt the image of God and we got all messed up. Now the second Adam, Jesus, comes and the potter, come on, Genesis 1, he took from the soil the clay and he fashioned, made in his image and he breathed life. First Adam. Second Adam. Take out that heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh. And now I'm working to shape and mold as the master potter, forming us, molding us into the image of the Son. He's shaping us so that we look more like Jesus. So that we are a living letter. People are reading our lives. And they're saying, gee, I can see something of Jesus in you. This is, can, can you see, have I got his nose? Have I, have I got his heart? Have I got his ways? How are you seeing Jesus in me? Because I actually want to become more like him. I want him to shape me and mold me, fashion me more and more into his image. And that looks, as we sort of mix and mold our metaphors together here, but the fruit, the, the, from being rooted in him and in his nature and character, we begin to give off fruit. And the fruit comes from the DNA of him. And so the fruit of the spirit reflects his nature and his character. So we're living a life that pleases him and looks more like him. So the fruit of our lives, the way in which we navigate through life, looks more like the way God would navigate through life. 
And there's people pluck there. Mmm, that's tasty. Mm, so joyful. It brought a smile to my face. Yeah, because that's the taste of joy. Yeah? Oh my goodness, doesn't matter what comes against you, steadfast, persevering. You don't just throw your toys out the cot, you don't lose your temper, you hold on and you keep on keeping on. It's like, oh, I love that about you. When I eat some of that fruit from your life, I get strengthened. Something strengthens me when I taste that in you. All right. I will move you to follow my ways. Verse 28. Then you will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will save you from your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. Don't worry about Ukraine. And I will not bring famine or pox or anything on you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Hebrews 8. Now what happens is that the writer to the Hebrews remembers what Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 31. And now he begins to bring to us a new covenant understanding of what the old covenant prophets were feeling for. It's kind of like, what is it going to be? A new heart, stone out, flesh in? Like, you know, what kind of operations? We don't even have an aesthetics invented yet. It's like open heart surgery. This is going to be pretty intense stuff. Come on, put yourself in their shoes. Like, God, how are you going to do this? All right, maybe my mind goes somewhere. Okay. Now the main point of what we are saying, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, and all of you are saying, gosh, if only this preacher would get to the main point. The main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Oh, that was last week. We're remembering the ascension, right? So we're linking now the ascension, receiving of the Spirit and pouring out the Spirit and the new covenant. So we've got the one sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Remember, we were talking about heaven crashing into earth, that realm into here. He went back into that realm and the tabernacle, all right, in order that he might crash into this realm here. Verse 3, back down to earth. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. And Jesus did. He sacrificed his own life and he poured out his own blood. Verse 4, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was asked to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, 
the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the old co- since the new covenant is established on better promises oh all of the promises of the old as good as any of them were under the new covenant better promises superior far superior oh, amazing verse 7 for if there'd been nothing wrong with that first covenant no place would have been sought for another but god did find fault with the covenant and with the people and he said the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the people of israel and with the people of judah what's that covenant going to look like i'm glad you asked It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This, verse 10, is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer Will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Yea, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup and he says, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. You see, Moses took blood and sprinkled it on the people to ratify the first covenant, which we call the old covenant. And Jesus takes blood. He says, new covenant, my blood. It's extraordinary. He says, whenever you drink this, you remember, you proclaim. This is now through Paul writing to Corinthians. We recall, we remember his death, all that he accomplished on the cross, Father, forgive. We do this until he comes. Ha ha ha, he's coming again. Yay. Back to verse 13. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. The writer to the Hebrews, back in those days, he's writing to specific people to say, listen, everything you see around you, the old covenant is soon going to disappear. And in a sense, it did happen AD 70. When the temple was destroyed and they were no longer able to continue offering sacrifices and maintaining the old covenant. Done. Obsolete. Removed. Done away with. Yay. Why? Because we have a new and a better covenant. We don't need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. We don't need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem because that is based on the old covenant which is obsolete and done away with. We have a far superior the new covenant. And this new covenant... We're forgiven. 
washed clean by his blood. He's taken out that hardest stone, that rebellious thing that was going after idols. And now we have a heart that is tender and wants to please him. In fact, the Spirit helps us, enables us in our weakness. He graces us. Grace is another way of just saying supernatural enabling. He enables us to say no to wickedness and yes to righteousness. So therefore, we're moved as we keep in step with the Spirit. We will obey, in a sense, the inner law. But it's not a law. The law was external, from the outside, trying to force its way inside to change you. But it couldn't. didn't work. Do away with that thing. Let's go from the inside out. And so from the inside, as I'm in tune with the Spirit, the Spirit will act like this governing thing that's going to cause me to live in a particular way, a way that's going to please Him. All right. Time is done. There's more. There's so much more. You know what? We can come back again and we can dig more into the Scriptures because this is so exciting. You know, when we, when we grasp this thing, the fullness of what God did at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Spirit, it's way more than just tongues. He's causing us to live a victorious life. That would be Romans 8. And that's a beautiful chapter, which if we had more time, we'd come into it because it's about, we're not lo- no longer under the spirit of death, the spirit of the law, but we're under the spirit of of life. The Spirit gives life. That's why there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. He's putting all these things together in chapter 8 of Romans. And it's, it's about being empowered by the Spirit and living in the Spirit. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh! Glorious life that we call to. So when we come in, we kind of like remember when Kronos and Kairos collide. Oh, wow, it opened up so much for us into a new way of living. The old is gone, the new has come. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's stand. Can we just say thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit? Yeah. And in your own words, just, you know, because the scripture says no one's got to teach you. I don't even have to pray for you. I mean, I can and I will, but I don't have to. Because you know what to do. Why? You have the Spirit within you. Yay. Oh, thank you, Lord. So what's the Holy Spirit putting in your heart to pray? Pray that. Come on, let's pray our own prayers now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
All right, put your hand on your heart. Jesus, we thank you that you opened up a new and a living way through your body, through your death, burial, and resurrection. You opened the way to the Father. You opened up access that we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. And because you went through the heavens ahead of us, and you received the promise from the Father, and then you poured out the promise, Holy Spirit, upon us and in us. Thank you. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You've taken out our heart of stone because we have confessed our faith and our belief in you that you have put a heart of flesh inside of us. You have saved us. You've removed all condemnation. Hallelujah. And you're causing us to live and walk by the Spirit. Thank you. So our hearts cry, more Lord. More Lord. The work that you're doing to shape and fashion us like the master potter we are the clay we say do your work in our lives shape us and mold us and cause us to live a life that pleases you thank you for Pentecost thank you Holy Spirit that you've come and you're still here and you're still moving and you're still working and you're still in that sense filling our sails moving us along causing us to live a life of righteousness. Thank you, you're transforming us from the inside out. May our lives be a living testimony, an example of your goodness and your life-changing work inside of us. Oh, that your light might shine inside of us and then from inside shine outwards bring light into this gloomy and dark world. May your name be magnified and glorified in us and through us, even as you empower us day by day. Thank you, Lord. To you be all praise, honor, and glory, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Yay. Oh, so good. Thank you for joining us at home. Thank you for being here this morning. And so now we're going to have a ministry time. And the ministry time looks different. Because he's poured his love abroad inside our hearts by the power of the Spirit. And the way we're going to demonstrate love for him is we demonstrate love for one another. And we go and have coffee downstairs. As we love each other and we fellowship and we enjoy one another. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Until next time, take care.